Hello, and welcome back into the Celtics Lab. I am Cameron Tubbitabai, your host for today. I'm joined, as always, by Alex Goldberg and Dr. Justin Quinn. And right off the bat, we want to remind folks to go check out our Twitter page, at Celtics Lab. Every month here at the Celtics Lab Podcast, we collaborate with creatives in the Celtics community to give away some free swag. And this month, you could win a very cool Jason Tatum t-shirt, courtesy of Mr. Palmer Guy Boston. So go to Twitter, go to at Celtics Lab, and win yourself a t-shirt. On today's episode, we will indeed discuss Jalen Brown's wrist injury and the week that was, but more importantly, we'll spend the bulk of the episode highlighting some of the immense and important work going on in the Celtics community off the court. And for that, we welcome in our guest for the second time this season, friend of the podcast, just a dude, just a man, the one and only Riffs Man. Riffs, how are you? Hey guys, uh, I'm great. Uh, We're doing work for uh, Young Game Changers right now. Uh, We're having fun. We're putting on a show. Uh, on Thursday, and I'm just glad to be here with you guys. Yeah, it's been wildly impressive to kind of see this thing take off, and we'll get into it in just a second, which is exactly why you brought, we brought you on. Uh, Alex and Justin, how are things in Somerville and Mexico City? Uh, in Somerville, they're okay. I'm depressed about Jalen's hand. Uh, I love that guy. Uh, th- thoughts and prayers to Jalen Brown. I am very confident that you will come back better than ever, brother. Um so in, in that state, I've been drinking this delightful Lord Hobo beer. Lord Hobo, uh, if you want to sponsor us, you, you can just maybe check check that out. Celtics Lab Pod. I am enjoying myself a nice local artisanal mezcal because I saw you drinking that lovely adult beverage and enjoying the, again, lack of construction noise. And I'm having a craft beer as well. Mm-hmm. So, riffs. <laughs> uh, we're excited to talk about NBA basketball, we're excited to talk about the Celtics and all of the things that are going on in the Celtics community, but we really want you to really highlight what's going on with the People's Tommy Point Charity Drive for 18. So can you tell us kind of what it is and how people can get involved? And then later in the episode, we'll kind of explore uh, this whole initiative with a little more detail. All right. So right now, if you go to uh, Marcus Smart's Facebook page, if you go to at riffs underscore man, and check out my pin tweet. You're going to find a, a PayPal group uh, link that's all going to the Young Game Changer uh, organization, the foundation that Marcus runs. Uh, what we're doing right now, this is called the People's Tommy Point uh, Charity Drive for 18. Uh, basically, I had a sense that things for the Celtics community with Jalen being hurt, uh, with how the season has gone with COVID injuries and just really a negative atmosphere in terms of coverage. Uh, that I don't think is necessarily the most fair thing in the world. Uh, We just got the sense that we should do something different. And for a while I had been doing something called smart stimulus where I donated to the young game changer uh, foundation, every game, just a small amount. I don't really have a whole lot of money, but we were doing that every game just to feel, feel a little bit better about what they were going through, basically becoming co-opted as uh, frontline workers in their job as professional basketball players. They have like Mm -hmm. two things they're working working at and worrying about other than you know just what would be a normal season and it was kind of lifeless in the stadiums without as many fans and it just felt like we needed to do something different so we got we got in touch with uh young game changer in marcus's uh organization and we started doing this and basically what we're trying to do is raise as much money for his foundation going into thursday and friday sending them off into the playoffs with some good vibes and to get the uh basically the community together about something positive uh, rather than maybe just beating down on each other or giving the team some shit or uh, anything like that. 
and uh, and then Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, we're going to be having a uh, uh, via my account, which is again at riffs underscore man. We're going to be hosting a Twitch event uh, that features a variety of interviews from uh, Celtics figures in the media and uh, some former players. Uh, and Marcus as well is going to be joining us, and it's going to be like a three-hour-long uh, jam session. We have recorded interviews. We have like some psychedelic music videos in uh, like animations. Uh, we're going to have some comedy. We're going to have some special guests. It's going to be a really cool time. And basically more than that, it's just like to connect everybody and to get everybody fostering a better sense of community out of it. Wow. I actually, this is the first I had heard about the Twitch event. That sounds tremendous. Um, for anyone who isn't aware the market smart young game changer uh, foundation it does all sorts of things. They work uh, to promote STEM. They work with pediatric cancer patients. They host basketball clinics. And apropos of nothing else, on their website, there's a great video of Marcus Smart Bowling with Marty Walsh. So you know that they're legit. Uh, Riffs, we're going to get back into that. But uh, Alex, you, you had something you want to hop in with? Yeah. Um, well, Riffs, you know, I just wanted to throw out, first off, a uh, great thing that you're doing here. Really appreciate it. You know, speaking for myself and many other Celtics fans, you know, to see a pillar in Celtics Twitter community uh, take on uh, such a serious, like, activist thing uh, is a really cool thing. And I understand, uh, based on some stuff that you posted earlier today, that uh, things are already going really well. Is that correct? Man, on one of the there's limits on each of the group PayPal's kind of. So we've already gone through a, a, a threshold of $20,000. And then the next one has something like 3000 already We're we're moving and grooving We're I think we're going to get close to, if not surpass $40,000 for this. Uh, I didn't expect it to take off in such a way, but I had faith that the community was going to basically rally around this especially after the Jalen news, which felt so grim and bleak. I felt, I mean, it's just the timing of it was perfect. Uh, I didn't know actually that Marcus was going to be getting the first ever Tommy award. We had been planning this before that uh, based around uh, Marcus's organization, just because I, I watched the season and I don't think losing wears well on anybody, but it especially doesn't on Marcus. You can tell how bad he hates it. And uh <laughs> I've always, I've always followed him specifically as a person who inspires me and his story inspires me and the work he does to help kids who are sick inspires me. So uh, it just felt like a, a natural place to go with it. Yeah. And, you know, I just wanted to reiterate. So I, I, I took note of this success because I uh, didn't get a chance to donate until later today. And uh, I clicked on the link and saw that you had already surpassed your fundraising goal. So if you're, if you are like me and you're listening now and you haven't gotten a chance to donate uh, to this immense cause yet, just know there is absolutely still time. You can still do it. Um, it's ongoing. And I would encourage you uh, as well as everyone else here to get involved. It's a really great thing. It's going to be cool. We're going to keep it going every day through Friday. I think around Friday at like 6 p.m. it's probably going to end. Uh, that's when the, the target date ends and we're going to make the transfers over to Young Game Changer. And uh, basically, the interactive part of donation is still going to go on. We're actually going to do some things. We're going to raffle off some artwork. Uh, oh, cool. We're going to 
we're going to give people who donate a chance if they if they reach a certain goal we're going to get a sam sheehan cameo uh, a very special <laughs> sam sheehan cameo and uh and then our friend uh Danger Cart Ryan Bernardoni is going to be matching donations uh, for a period on Thursday. So every day, every day going up to that event on Thursday night at 8 p.m. Uh, on Twitch, which is going to be on my uh, Twitter account at Riftsman, uh, we're going to be we're going to be donating the whole time, and we're going to be working for Marcus's cause the whole time, and hopefully bringing people together the whole time. You know. So Riffs, we had you on the podcast a few months or weeks ago, I can't remember at this point, specifically to try to correct the vibes that kind of lingered around the Celtics. And I think we came to some really positive conclusions. I don't know that we were necessarily successful. Um, so that you persisted. I mean, what could be a better way to correct the kind of swirling bad vibes than something that brings community together like this? So really hats off. Um, and we're not done with you yet. We're going to talk about <laughs> basketball. Right on, we're gonna, right on. We're going to come back to charity. Um, so, But truly, it, talking about the Celtics losing to the Bulls feels a little less important when kind of thinking about some of the other ways basketball touches people. Uh, but that said, we are going to talk about the Celtics losing to the Bulls. Uh, but first, let's, let's talk about the elephant in the room. Uh, right now, concurrently, as we record this podcast, Brad Stevens is explaining to the media that uh, they're not really sure how or when Jalen Brown uh, hurt his wrist, but he has been ruled out likely three to six months with a scopholunit ligament tear. How was that, Dr. Good. Quinn? Thanks. I spelled it out phonetically and I still <laughs> blew it. Uh, Jalen is out with a torn ligament just at the base of his left hand. It's the same injury that Romeo Langford had, uh, but thankfully not on his shooting hand. So, uh, let's go around the horn. We'll start with you, Riffs. When you, I mean, we knew that Jalen had been bumped and bruised all season long, but what was your kind of first wave of emotion when you you got the news that uh, Jalen's wrist had been hurt? Uh, it wasn't good. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I don't know. That was like, like I knew he was hurt on multiple levels for a long time. Like if you watched it, he had been favoring that wrist. Uh, I remember it in in OKC. I remember it uh, the game they won in Oklahoma City, uh, not yeah. just the one that they lost to them that got a lot of bad press. But he had been, in my opinion, playing with uh, knee tendonitis the entire season. He had the shoulder issue. Uh, obviously, the ankle thing got really bad when he and Tatum collided in that yeah. freak accident. Uh, basically I'm very happy for him in the season that he had, which was truly remarkable, uh, with no off season, he came in and made every single improvement you'd hope he would make, uh, in, in just about every facet offensively to become the player he is now, which is a three level scorer with playmaking, uh, for others, he's finding the corner three much better. Uh, he's making passes uh, over the top for lobs and to shooters way better than I ever anticipated. And there really should be no cap on him going forward in, in terms of his potential. Uh, basically, I thought it was awful, but I think if we think this season is totally over, we're, we're mistaken. Because I think if they make a playoff run, if they get into the playoffs, the, the opportunity for Aaron Neesmith and Pritchard and, it, and Rob, if he's healthy, is absolutely invaluable. Uh, to, to pack it in, to me, is I think that would do irreparable harm to Tatum and 
Marcus and Kemba and stuff because they don't seem like guys who take losing very well. And the idea of them just giving up just doesn't seem like it's going to sit well with them. So they're going to go for it. And I think, uh, I think we should be emboldened to be positive about what they're going to do. And, and, and just like the, the foundation for me, instead of packing it in mentally, I'm more behind them because they were never dealt a good hand this season. And basically I think they're going to make some noise. Well, riffs. I'm, that was really well said. Alex and Justin, good luck topping that. Seriously. I was very upset. It's just been such a hard season to, to stay engaged and to stay positive. Um, I can't remember if we were talking about it earlier or like off, off pod or, or what, but you know, a lot of us have really had our emotional state tied to this team in ways that are not entirely healthy, actually not at all healthy, um, <laughs> to be completely honest. And, you know, it just, at this point, like I, I was kind of feeling numb, but, you know, I, f- I feel like this entire um, shift in perspective is, is already taking root in me because I'm inspired now. I kind of want to see what they end up doing. I was writing earlier today that maybe they should pack it in and make sure no one gets hurt so they can make next year the season where they they dispel all this negativity. But there are some good things that can be gleaned from this season. There are some good things that can still be done. Yeah, Alex, what about you? What are your your thoughts vis-a-vis Jalen Brown and also the future? I mean, Jalen Brown is my favorite active NBA basketball player. So um, to see that uh, news bulletin, I definitely felt very sad at first. But I have to say... Um, I think I was able to turn things around pretty quickly because ultimately um, I, I do think that my, my concern was that Jalen was going to be out because of a knee injury that would require a lot more rehab and uh, a lot more kind of off-season work to get back. Um, at a wrist injury, while this injury sounds incredibly painful and difficult to manage, um, and he is going to lose some time in the offseason as a result, which is always a bummer. Um, I have to say, I'm relatively relieved that it's not a more severe long-term injury and fairly optimistic that when he comes back, he will be the Jalen Brown that we know and love. Um, you know, I think as far as this season goes, I think you all have kind of hit the nail on the head. I, I really am concerned about uh, health and if it becomes a situation where Rob and Kemba, for example, are um, in a situation where their health is being negatively impacted by the additional games, then I think we need to have some more conversations. But I do think this is a great opportunity for Neesmith in particular, who's really come along in these past this past month or so. And, you know, Man, it's just been such a shitty year for so many reasons, both on and off the court. And I, I, I guess the thing that I want to say is that I would just love to see this team rally in the face of that. And I think that they have the right mix of personalities that they could do that. If, man, if we could even just start off with a win tonight against Miami, that would be a blast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're getting really good at recording <laughs> on game night. So by the time you, our humble listeners, actually hear this podcast, you'll know what happened with that Miami game. Yeah, uh, Riffs, I, I had a similar reaction. Once the Jalen news dropped, I, I went and I started writing. Um, later in the podcast, we're going to talk about, uh, uh, we were saying earlier, we think that the way that 
we've been talking about Celtics basketball has been askew uh, or maybe even I would use the word toxic. And I think in some ways Jalen's injury took a lot of pressure off the season. I'm in total agreement. There's reason to be optimistic that this is a feisty team in a play-in situation. And I always love the Celtics chances against the Sixers. I know that that's naive, but Hey, if they pull the Sixers, that's going to be fun basketball. And so I, I think suddenly there's a little bit of scrappiness to the team where before there just felt like unbelievable pressure to do the impossible. So I wish all the best for Jalen Brown, uh, but I do find myself a little more able to collect my thoughts, I suppose, if that makes sense. And also excited for whether it's five more games of Celtics basketball or a few more than that, because this is a cool team. Uh, We'll talk about uh, at least in depth next week, if not a little bit here, all of the consistent barriers of entry the Celtics had to success this season that were just way bigger than anything they could have done. But there was still a lot of gravel in their gut. I mean, there's some really cool things to have liked about this season, whether it's Tatum's 60 points or Brown's just like incredible efficiency, Aaron Neesmith's smile. I mean, just the list feels really endless despite all of the doom and gloom. Um, So just quickly to talk about some of that doom and gloom, the Celtics, since we last talked, did lose to Chicago. They did lose to Miami um, and saw Rob Williams continue to kind of flirt with some health woes. Um, They did have a nice win against Orlando. So where the season will end is unclear. Uh, But Riffs, I think I know the answer. We have in our notes, should the Celtics execute a mini tank? And it sounds like absolutely not uh, would be your answer. Is that correct? Oh no, we're trying to keep Fournier. We're trying to <laughs> we're trying to develop uh, Aaron Neesmith and Peyton Pritchard and Rob Williams. I don't know if Rob's going to be healthy enough to go, but I think that the opportunity to watch film and watch the game progress uh, in playoff preparation is always invaluable to young players. Uh, a lot of the development and coaching, it ha- like like in game adjustments are what they are and they're crucial and you see guys like Eric Spolster be great at it but I think a lot of Brad's coaching happens behind the scenes and coaching in general so I think that's important uh basically I think they're gonna they're gonna make what whatever run at it I think Keith Richards said we may be going down but we ain't going down your way so (laughs) that's kind of that feels like Marcus Smart's uh, ethos in life but uh but I think they're I think they're going to make a run at whoever they're playing and go all out whoever they're playing. I think uh I think the main thing is uh Tatum can learn a lot from this with the coverages he's going to see from everything he does moving forward. He's going to see some doubles and triples from here on out, and he's going to have to learn how to take that. And we've seen guys like I mean we've seen LeBron handle it his whole career. We've seen Joel Embiid, like last year in the playoffs, he was left high and dry a lot of the times. I think it's invaluable to superstars to learn what going through that is like and reach that next level. Because I think Tatum has not only one more level to go to, but like another two or three. He's that good. So I think I don't think I don't think it's over yet, and I don't think there's nothing to be gained from this. You know, I do see a lot of potential value, and again. This is in a hypothetical frame of what you could get with a better draft pick. But it's also really hard to tell professional athletes that they should uh, prepare themselves to try to lose 
particularly when they started the season with some fairly lofty expectations, you know, internally and externally. What we could do, though, that kind of, you know, does a little bit of both is really play the young guys and give them a chance. And I'm including Rob in that um, to, to really get some experience as much as possible uh, for the coming seasons. As far as um, hopes or expectations for the postseason, I just want to see them play some more. I want to see them play unburdened from these expectations. I kind of feel like we all kind of feel like they've been unburdened from these expectations at this point. Um, and this kind of ties into some other things that we'll probably talk about later. Just so much of what has happened, and not just in NBA basketball, but in employment in general, uh, has seemed to have been really dehumanizing uh, People Absolutely. aren't treating each each other like people. And it kind of just like, I, I don't really know what else to say other than there there has been a, a lack of remembrance of the human in our interactions with each other. And I'll just leave it right there because I know you have some things that you want to say about that as well. Well, Alex, I'll let you hop in. I mean, I think we're going to just use the tail end of this podcast to talk about exactly that. So, uh, sure. Justin, we'll... Uh- well, I mean, that's the, that's kind of the, you gave the game away. I mean, that's been the, our whole experience this year, but Alex, talk to us about basketball. Sure. I mean, I think both of you kind of addressed something that uh, could be interesting to watch, which is uh, removing expectations. Just roll the ball out and hoop. Let's see what happens. You know, um, I think there's a lot of room for the young guys to play for sure. I think there's a lot of room for Tatum to develop. Um, but, you know, I think another thing that you kind of uh, touched on riffs and that I think is worth considering is we want to see Evan Fournier. Uh, we want to see this guy really uh, kind of mesh himself into the concept of this team in a big way. And I think he's going to have a great opportunity to do that. Uh, you know, I want to see what Kemba Walker is going to look like when now he's asked to be the number two guy in a playoff series instead of the number three guy. Um, And I think that there's some other interesting players like Luke Cornett is going to get some minutes in the playoffs. What is that going to look like? (laughs) As the president of the Luke Cornett fan club, I'm very intrigued. You know, I think there's definitely room, even if ultimately the season doesn't end uh, going much further than, say, a round one exit. uh, I think there's still room to take some positives out of the play of this team. And I think there's ways that you can uh, kind of make plans for the future of the squad uh, and use this playoffs as a test run to see kind of where you want to build assets out going forward. So I don't know. I'm excited and I I do feel a little unburdened. So uh, let me just tell you something truly astonishing as far as I'm concerned, because I did not see this coming in the past five games, Kemba Walker, 27.7 points per game, 50% from three on 8.7 attempts, three rebounds, 4.3 assists. He's a plus nine overall in those five games. Whether Kemba Walker is uh, going to next season and beyond be the third, third and a half most important Celtic player or the most intriguing trade asset Boston has is unclear, but man, that guy has struggled to stay healthy all season long. And... Yeah, there's something feisty about that. I I don't want to talk about what it's going to look like on the defensive end because, you know, but man, I'm so happy to see Kemba ball again because 
not only is he a fun basketball player to watch, but he has fun when he plays basketball and that in, in turn is fun to watch. So for all of the reasons we've, we've identified, let's put on an optimistic face and Hey, I'm excited to watch Kemba Walker play basketball. And I haven't said that in, I don't know, a year. Uh, riffs or anyone else for that matter. Anything else about the X's and O's before we, we kind of talk about the, the meta. I'm pretty cool with that. I thought you guys <laughs> nailed it. I thought you guys were good at it on that. All right. Well, uh, let's do that then. Let's hop into the lab. Uh, we're very hopeful for whatever comes next for the Celtics, but I think we're all a little more interested, a little more moved by what's been happening off the court. So we have carved out a bit of time to talk about kind of the community, the charity, the advocacy that's been brewing in this Celtics community. And we're going to close with that. So we're going to kind of have a, a two portion uh, lab segment. And so we'll, we'll have to kind of get a little negative here first for our first portion. What we want to do is I think we've come to the conclusion that the way that we're talking about Celtics basketball uh, as fans, as blog boys, as media members feels off, feels dispassionate, feels at the very least, it's an entertainment product and it's not entertaining to be so pissy, so miserable, so pessimistic. So uh, let's do this. Let's uh, start it with you, Riffsman, if you would. Uh, let's try to identify some of the, the things that are categorically broken in the way that we're talking about Celtics basketball. And if we have any ideas let's or, or things that we uh, suspect might be positive changes, let's highlight those. Uh, because I think it, it's important to diagnose a problem and offer a solution. So, Riffs, you, you were saying this off-air that something is askew here. What do you think is maybe the one or two most disappointing things about how we're talking about the Celtics? I think uh, it's one thing, like, people people say there are no excuses in, in life and in basketball or whatever, especially in, in our society, and people don't get second chances or whatever, but I think there's context to everybody and context to everything. And if you ignore them, and if you do that, you literally are just divorcing yourself from humanity and you're mm -hmm. divorcing yourself from uh, reality in a lot of ways. I mean, the, the Celtics have lost more go games to COVID and injury than anybody. The Celtics have a, a games played leader who is a rookie the rest of the teams who have a games played leader who is a rookie are in the bottom five of the lottery. If you look at those two things, you would look at this team and you wouldn't conclude that they were this major disappointment whose leadership is failing you personally at home. You would conclude that they're actually kind of a group of scrappy underdogs who just hasn't had the hand of cards dealt to them to get it all together in terms of chemistry. They've been dazzling at moments and then the next day or the next half, they don't have that same lineup anymore. And so much of basketball is timing, rhythm. Uh, it's, it's mental uh, connectedness. And if you don't know where the next guy is going to be, maybe you stop trusting where they're going to be. And maybe you don't make that same pass that you could if you were relying on the same person being there every day of the week, which they couldn't. So I think that was really a huge part of the context that i mean we've got we've gotten to a point where not even to hate on it but jeff van gundy is a guy who made his career on off of being cynical and kind of uh curmudgeonly and he's like oh yeah why are we talking about the celtics this way they have this insane thing happening to them that really nobody else is everybody's dealing with it but not to that extent 
And so I think basically expectations skewed it, but I think uh, like there was just this insane reason or just this insane compulsion to not say what was going on. It's almost like life is going on out in the real world and we're not saying anything about it. You know what I mean? It's like, we're not, we're not being empathetic to people in general. And I think if you watch this team and it didn't really change how you view and consume sports ethically, I don't want to say there's something wrong with you. I just know personally I watched it and I didn't feel right about it a lot of the time. And yeah. that was a big part of why I wanted to do this fundraiser is because I didn't feel so great about, you know, I mean, I had a period where I was just ripping on Jeff T because it was kind of funny <laughs> and, and that wasn't good. And it had some bad parts, but also I, I, I just realized I didn't want to be that kind of person in my interactions online. I didn't want to be beaten down on them really anymore. Uh, I didn't want to be giving them crap anymore. I didn't really want to, I mean, I, I'm always, I've always been like what they would call a green teamer as it is like to a psychotic extent. I think like Rob Williams is going to be a hall of famer and, uh, and, uh, and that's who I am, but it just felt something just felt wrong the whole time. And I think it's that the team got co-opted into being frontline workers aside from just basketball players. They travel amidst the pandemic every day. They got sent out to play against the Wizards, who everybody know, know knew at the time had COVID. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's just really it's jarring to have watched this season unfold the way it did, and that was the impetus for me to kind of change my interactions. And I've been on this like larger journey of change in my life, anyhow. And sure. Different approach. The last time I talked to you was the last time I smoked a cigarette. So oh, like, congrats! I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, I don't know, I think this whole period, it's been awful, but maybe if we renew our approach to humanity and watching basketball and uh, just being a little bit kinder to each other, I think that would be just the best way to deal with what has happened. And that's my spiel. (laughs) It's a good spiel. Yeah. And, you know, uh, so first off, I just, I do need to say, uh, you know, I am the biggest Jeff Teague defender in the world. So that's a, that's a beat that we can talk about <laughs> offline. But, um, but no, I think that's a really good point. And, you know, I think you hit on something that I know, speaking for myself, I've felt, and I'm pretty sure that a couple of my friends at the very least that I talk about basketball with, including some people on this podcast have felt, which is this has been a really kind of dubious season to be a part of as a fan. There are some real ethical concerns there. And um, for much of the year, we've chosen to focus on kind of uh, the X's and O's, the on the court product, uh, you know, just like the things that make basketball worth talking about. And I think that there's definitely space for that this year, um, as there is in just about any situation when it comes to basketball. And everybody's got a different relationship to this sport, but uh, it kind of means something to all of the fans. But I, I definitely have felt this year differently that that kind of lingering kind of ethical like should we really be doing this and are we really okay watching this concern uh just kind of hanging out in the back of my mind it's something that i haven't quite been able to reconcile with um but i guess the the thing that really keeps me going uh, is that there is this profound sense of community that comes together uh 
around a basketball team. And it's something that I haven't really experienced with any other sport. I mean, I know that it happens in other sports, but um, it just kind of feels different with basketball in part because I think basketball is such an approachable game. Like you don't need expensive equipment. You don't need elite training or talent or size to go out and just grab a basketball for 20 bucks and you know, a pair of shoes and shoot around. I mean, you should have seen Cam and I playing two on two the other day. Like you, you really don't need to be good at basketball, to enjoy the experience of playing basketball. And it's a very relatable feeling. And I think a part of what makes basketball so fun as a fan is the sense that when you see a player experiencing the joy of a heightened success, you know, like hitting big shots or throwing ridiculous passes or making sick blocks like Robert Williams, when you see a player experience that visceral joy on the court, that's something that a lot of people can relate to. Because even if you are not seven feet tall and jumped over the rim to get a block, a lot of people that watch basketball have known what it's like to get a block before, even if it was a shitty block. And so I think that there's a really profoundly human element to watching the game and to see the kind of corporatism that is the NBA really laid bare uh, in the wake of the pandemic has been a real shock to the system. And it's been hard for myself and a number of other fans to process adequately. I, I, have, to agree. Least. I have to agree. We, we, we had some, some qualms like this going into the bubble but we were all kind of in a state of shock trying to adjust as an entire planet dealing with the situation. And we, we convinced ourselves, I think, that a lot of good was going to come of it. And a lot of good did come of it. But I think uh, this season, the gloves came off. You know, we really got to see that a lot of the talk about player safety and such um, is lip service. You know, people getting sick left and right with no idea how it's going to affect them long-term and all the other things that we don't hear about in these people's lives. I'm sure just like the rest of us, they, they're dealing with, you know, COVID amongst friends and family that isn't going as well as what we are hearing from some people. They're, they're getting it themselves. They're, they're feeling pressure to work. Even if they, you know, they did agree, you know, I'm not going to like take away their agency. They did agree to participate to a greater or lesser extent through, through the union, but there, there is something unseemly about this season and really kind of more about society at large, how we do have the resources where we could have gotten through this and supported each other better. We have seen it in other places. I'm not going to go on a long political rant, but we could have done the pandemic better. We could have done the NBA season better. We could have not done the NBA season um, and it would have had a financial impact. I understand that, you know, all this stuff is like pie in the sky stuff. But we are not. We are real people. And we have all had a really, the most horrible year of our lives, most of us. And I think that some of us, again, to go back to what I was saying before, have kind of like always treated sports as some kind of a safe space. And it's not a safe space entirely. These are real people, you know, and they're real people with real issues. And for us to treat them the way that some of us in the media, who I will not mention, have, I think, has really been just abusive, honestly. Yeah, 
uh, man, our listeners, if you're still out there, sorry that this took the turn that it did, but I think it's so important. I think uh, this is uh, a little inside baseball, but because we're NBA fans, we're also Twitter fans. And so occasionally while we're recording this podcast, you'll, you'll hear people laugh under their breath because they're actually on Twitter. Uh, and I just found myself on Twitter and I just learned that today was the first day since June that there hasn't been a COVID death in Massachusetts. And Alex, sorry to tell you, I was on Twitter while you were talking. I started to get emotional. I had to stop myself from getting emotional. I think we've internalized or been asked to internalize just a, a, a unfathomable, unfathomable amount of grief and pain and just asked to live our lives. And it, it's so perplexing and uh, someone used the word dehumanizing to try to live day-to-day life as a basketball fan. Um, for me as a teacher, just as a person in the world, while trying to forget that this is going on all around us. Uh, and I think for basketball, certainly with the Celtics in particular, losing sight of that has been malpractice. This is the team that got waylaid with uh, COVID the worst. And the same way that not every city and not every country got COVID uh, as bad as others for a myriad of reasons, the Celtics were the team that lost the COVID lottery. And it it's feels really weird to see people try to have conversations about basketball that doesn't address the fact that this team has just been waylaid with a, a pandemic that we, Justin, to your point, we don't know what the consequences here are. It's great that just Jason Tatum feels better when he takes his inhaler, but it would be better if he didn't have to take his inhaler. Uh, so I think there, there was somewhere along the way as a country, as NBA fans, as individuals, I don't know, we really lost sight of, of the lens with which we're reviewing the world and asked to participate in society with. Um, and I, I think hopefully we can revisit that with time um, we'll grieve together, we'll learn together, we'll grow together, and hopefully basketball fans, baseball fans, fans of just civil society can execute a, with a little more empathy and care in the world. Um, and then in, in a way less important way, just because we're going to start to turn the, the conversation to something positive, my hope for coverage of Celtics basketball, aside from being more empathetic, is to be a little less hyper-serious. Uh, whether it's how it's covered on television or on the blogs or uh, in the newspapers. Yes, it's important. This is people love sports and that this is there are millions of dollars on the line, but man, the, the, the lack of levity is astounding. Um, we do this on this podcast. It, the opening to the show is me cosplaying what people sound like when they talk about sports. It's, it's, dreadfully self-serious because I don't know, it's the form and I'm following it. Um, and I would love to see more creativity in how sports is broadcast. Uh, I hope that maybe with Gen Z coming up, they just won't give a shit. Sorry, Justin, to put the edit button in. They just won't give a shit about these like crazy uh, dramatic intros and these talking heads and these fake debates on television. And maybe we could just go back to enjoying sports. It feels crazy and then we're going to pivot entirely it feels uh, crazy to me that a city of tortured red sox fans couldn't put up with three months 
of Celtics basketball being a little less than. Where is the self-deprecation? Where is the sense that, oh, woe is us? Where is the, the fight? It was so defeatist to decide that this team lacks leadership, lacks vision. And it was also a historic, I don't know. Uh, so I hope for more empathy. I hope for more levity. And I hope for a little more uh, of a leash in our coverage as fans, again, as blog boys, as podcast hosts, and as media folk um, in covering the Celtics. Uh, and now we're going to spend the rest of the podcast talking about how ultimately unimportant <laughs> the basketball itself is. Um, because we want to highlight riffs a little more of the stuff that you're up to, um, give you a little more of an opportunity to just tell us how you feel going through this. I mean, I'm sure this has been a really emotional week. Uh, it would be silly to talk about empathy and not ask you how you're feeling. Uh, and then the, the other folks in the Celtics community doing tremendous good. So riffs, if I can, how's your week going? You must, <laughs> you must be just staggered at what has been happening. I'm fantastic, man. <laughs> it's uh, it's it's been great. It's been a great learning experience for me. It's been great to do something basically on blind faith. You have no idea if these people are going to reach back out to you or if they're going to show up, and they all did, and that was absolutely amazing. And I'm very grateful for it. Uh, it's organizing a, a bunch of moving parts is certainly difficult losing Jalen Brown was horrid. Like that, that for me was the really sad part. And the only really bad part of the week was Jalen going down. Uh, because I was hoping, hoping that this was going to inject it into a uh, championship drive, but it still <laughs> might, you never know, man, you never know. Yeah. But, uh, but this week has been absolutely incredible. And I don't even, I don't even have words to explain what it's like to see Marcus's camp embrace it and in in people embrace it so much to where we have something like $22,000 right now for it uh approximating it but i haven't been able to look during this <laughs> but mm -hmm. uh but it's just been amazing the entire process has been amazing and you know what i feel really good about life i've uh i've had really bad periods of my life with all sorts of things like drug problems uh I smoked a lot of cigarettes for a lot of years and not dealing with ups and downs of life so well, but I've kind of found a good groove in life. And I think that's basically why everything feels so good right now, despite like the circumstances and despite everything. So I, I think life is as good as you want to make it basically. And I made it hell for myself for a long time. And right now I'm making it pretty damn good. So that's, yeah. about, that's my thing. I love that. I mean, it, it used to be even a year ago, there was nothing in public life you could talk about except for sports. If you were on the T or wherever else, you weren't going to talk about the politics. You weren't going to talk about the economy. You could talk about the Red Sox. You could talk about the Celtics. And even this year, it just felt so charged. So I'm glad that interpersonally and as a community, we're able to make positive changes here. Or I hope that that's where we're trending. Alex, I cut you off. Oh, I was just going to say that uh, Life's What You Make It is a great song by Talk Talk. If anybody hasn't heard it, I would strongly encourage you to check it out. Uh, I think it sums up that. Required listening, I suppose, for this podcast. Uh, Riffs, uh, give us your closing kind of pitch for why folks should go look at your, uh, what do you want to call it? Your initiative? Your, you're calling it a drive, I suppose. Give us yes. your, your closing pitch. 
man, I think uh, I think media can be great if we if we put real energy into it and real thought into it and elevate the creative people in our sphere. I think I think basketball is wildly imaginative and beautiful and puts a spotlight on so many great things and some bad things that we need to talk about necessarily as we try to fix the world. And so I think media should be centered on that kind of stuff and it should be centered on really honoring the people involved with it in basketball and and listening to their causes. Uh, I think that's the most important thing. And so we just tried to, we just tried to honor creativity and the people involved with it and, uh, and to have a good time. And I, I think that's just what's needed and that's what we're trying to inject into it and to, to to have any money i thought maybe we'd get like three thousand dollars man <laughs> and this is just like day one a couple hours into it so i think we're going to do such a good thing and uh just just come around check my uh twitter account up at riffs underscore man uh come on thursday may 13th 8 p.m eastern standard time it's going to be basically a jam session of everything that celtics twitter has to give you it's going to be psychedelic art it's going to have music it's going to have animation it's going to have interviews with some hardcore fan favorites who still like you can still palpably feel them love the celtics and love basketball and that's that's basically in a media environment where they sell you how like maybe russell westbrook's career doesn't even matter because they don't think his decision making is great we're trying to say hey there's some guys in this game who still love it and it's the people who make up the game that matter and their passion for the game is what matters. If, if the pickup game that Alex and I played is proof positive, not everyone is equipped to make good decisions on basketball court. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. I used to, I used to make like, I used to just go for behind the back passes just to do it because I could. And it was wildly terrible a lot of the time. <laughs> yeah, I love a little razzle dazzle, but I left Alex out to dry. We got we got cooked. But again, I I made by some equipment choices man. by a yeah. drunk man, no less. Truly, <laughs> by yeah, um, a different friend of the pod who will not be named uh, just ate our lunch after consuming three glasses of wine. It was an ugly affair. Uh, we were going to talk about some of the other great things going on in the Celtics community. Uh, Kemba Walker has teamed up with Vistaprint to, to elevate black owned businesses in new England. Uh, Jalen Brown was just named one of the hundred most influential Bostonians just behind Ed Markey and ahead of the Lieutenant governor, Karen Polito. But riffs, I think you said that that was such a great closing monologue or soliloquy or whatever you want to call it that I, I think we should end there. So, uh, Riffs, thanks again for coming on. Again, you're putting together for, I guess, the whole community, the People's Tommy Point Charity Drive for 18, and at Riffs underscore man on Twitter. But now, at this point, you can find it really wherever you get your Celtics content. Uh, This sounds like a really cool initiative, a really cool event this Thursday evening on Twitch, and maybe an inflection point for the Celtics community kind of healing a little bit after a really ugly season. So, Justin... And Alex, if it's all right with you, I'm going to say thank you so much, Riffs, for coming on. And thanks, everyone, for listening. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah.